the Edible Gardens podcast, where we talk about how your edible garden can also be your beautiful landscape. I'm your host, Nanette Blair. Thanks for joining me. Okay, I'm going to let you guys on a little secret. My dream is to make good food accessible to everyone. And in my opinion, the best definition of good food is nutritious, delicious, and safe. And it doesn't get any better than picking fresh fruit, herbs, veggies, straight off the plant, where you know what went into it from start to finish. Also, you won't find any tomato cages here. As a matter of fact, there's a lot you won't find here, including pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, or any of the other sides. But what you will find here are landscapes that are designed for beauty, reflection, fun, and entertaining, and the list goes on to whatever you want. After all, it's your home, your yard, and your taste, and beauty truly is in the eye of the beholder. Okay, you know that garden you've been thinking about, either the one you already have that just needs a little more oomph, or the one that's been in your head for who knows how long. Well, I know you're ready. I know I'm ready. So let's dig in. Hey there. Today we're wrapping up our comparison shopping for a garden methodology mini-series. Wow, that's kind of a mouthful, huh? (laughs) For the past four days, we've been talking about permaculture, the Back to Eden gardening method, companion planting, the soil food web, container and raised bed gardening, and several different ones in between. I just want to take it way back to the critical thinking part of it. You know, if you have a book on companion planting, let's say, you don't have to do just companion planting. You can do companion planting plus square foot gardening. You can do companion planting plus intensive gardening. You can do companion planting plus the Back to Eden method. You can do companion planting plus permaculture. You can do permaculture plus the back to Eden method. And I think you kind of see where I'm going with that. (laughs) And then there's a lot of them that just plain and simple overlap. Lasagna gardening is the same thing as sheet mulching in permaculture. Uh, Lasagna gardening is the same thing as the back to Eden method. When you break it down and you really look at it, it's a layer of soil It's a layer of compost, and then on top of that, you have a layer of mulch. It could be wood chips. It could be composted wood chips. It could be anything that you want. I think wood chips are best. Also, on top of that, I would go ahead and do um, a ground-hugging plant, you know, something that's going to grow prostrate to the ground, and it's going to cover the soil. Just think about tying it all together in a way where you don't feel like you're backed into a corner. You know, well, I'm practicing this method, so I can't practice that one. I just wanted to get you thinking about what's best for your situation in your yard. What works really, really well for someone else may not work for your physical capabilities. It may not work for your financial capabilities. It may not work for the space that you have compared to the space that somebody else has. And I think that, you know, comparison is a really, really dangerous thing, especially when you're comparing your beginning to someone else's middle. Really and truly, the best teacher for you is your own experience, your own judgment, your own 
observation and then you try something and then it works or it fails and then you observe again and you readjust and then you try again and then you readjust and then you try again so I that's something that I just want to make sure that I'm kind of opening someone's eyes to new possibilities <laughs> that's why we did this series so that we could compare them See where the holes were for you or where the holes might be for you. I've told you where they are for me, but where are they for you? Let's kind of work backwards here. <laughs> I'm going to start with container gardening, but for right now, we're going to speak specifically to balcony gardening. If you have the restriction of not having bare soil in the ground, then there are some things that you can do that are pretty interesting. So this is something that I heard on the Martha Stewart show, I think, years and years and years ago, decades ago. You have a planter and you have a thriller, a spiller, and a filler. Now this is something that they were looking at as kind of an aesthetic strategy, but we can apply the companion planting to that as well. So your thriller could be an avocado tree that you keep out on your balcony in the warm months and then you can move it into your apartment or your condo or your townhome in the winter months. It could be a lemon tree, it could be an orange tree, it could be whatever you want and that would be your thriller. And your filler could be anything you want. It could be herbs, it could be oregano, it could be thyme, it could be flowers, it could be some sort of, it could be rice. You could do rice in a container like that. And then your spiller could be something like strawberries. It could be petunias, anything that you want. So you have your thriller, your filler, and your spiller. It's an old, old concept. You can kind of turn that on its head and apply the companion planting strategy. So that's one way that you can do that. And you can do that in multiple containers. You could have, you know, one big one with one big fruit tree in it. And then you can have a smaller one that maybe has a pepper plant in it. And then you plant stuff around the base. That would be, your pepper would be your thriller. And then you would have also a filler and a spiller in that one as well. And when you're doing that, you're kind of practicing the back to Eden method in that you're just covering that soil. You're making sure that you're not having a lot of water escape through evaporation. You're um, providing a place for predator bugs to house themselves or have a habitat there to where they can prey on the pests that might come and eat your your peppers. <laughs> and you know, if it's a if it's a worm that's attacking your peppers, it might be a bird that builds a nest in there. I, I don't know. It, it just depends. I mean, birds are really good predators as well. <laughs> Whenever I find a grub worm or something, or sometimes it's an earthworm, I just kind of throw it out into the yard and the birds will come and just scoop it up and eat it, take it back to their babies. Okay, so that's container planting. Okay, now for me to be able to continue on with this whole tying it all together on this comparison shopping mini-series, I have to come at it from the framework of my experience. It's the only way I can, right? I mean, I can't tell you what's going on in your yard. I can only tell you what has been my experience. So we've been here for two and a half years. What I have done before, I 
may not even be conscious of why or why not I'm doing that again or I'm not doing that again. I can tell you that I, from a conscious level, <laughs> what I've done is I knew I did not want to pull up sod. I didn't want to go rent a machine and cut the sod up. I didn't want to till it. I didn't want to dig it up, that's for sure. So what I did, or what we did here, was we were really, really lucky. About the time that we moved in, they were actually cutting down the limbs from the electric lines. I went up to the guys that were cutting off the branches, that were cutting off the limbs, and they were putting through this commercial shredder. And I asked, I went up to them and I asked them, can I have those wood chips? And I was like, yes, score, big time. <laughs> I knew I was going to have to buy a lot of wood chips. Or we rented and we, we bought a DR Horton chipper. But that was going to take a lot of chipping. I mean, there's no way I could have gotten the mountain of wood chips that I got from doing that myself. So that was like a huge windfall. But I had always heard that if you go up and ask these guys, they will be more than happy to give them to you because it takes it costs money for them to haul them off. They have to pay an hourly wage to the guy who's driving the truck Say if it's 30 minutes away, 30, 30 minutes back, that's an hour. Uh, if they're being paid by the hour, that's an hourly rate, right? And then there's also the fuel. So they were more than happy to just bring it over to my house. I showed them where to dump it, and they brought me loads and loads and loads. I think I quit counting at 20 loads of these wood chips. And I don't know how many yards each truckload carried, but it was a lot. I had one huge mountain of wood chips. And I also had access to a lot of cardboard and a lot of paper. Uh, my daughter had just moved and I said, hey, can I have all those boxes? Can I have that, that wrapping paper? And it was, you know, you can do this with newspaper as well, but this didn't have anything printed on it. It wasn't the bubble wrap, you know, the kind that you pop with your fingers. It wasn't the fun kind. It was just the boring paper that you wrap plates in or whatever. But it worked great for me. And so she gave them all to me. And what we did was we laid this cardboard or this paper down directly onto the grass. And then we put the wood chips on top of that. And then I shaped it to the shape that I wanted it to be. You know, I made some pleasing curves. And I tried to calculate what the lawnmower would want. You know, the path that the lawnmower would want to go in. So we didn't have to pull out the weed eater uh, in order to get up to close to the bed. So we have um, about a foot thick in some places of the wood chips, maybe a foot and a half to two feet in other places. That just killed all the sod up underneath there. Now, a lot of people would say that it takes about six months for that to break down, but that was not my experience. It took a good year for those wood chips to break down. So what, because I'm impatient and I wanted to start planting right away, what I did was I I made a little indention like a bowl, like the size of a medium-sized mixing bowl from the kitchen. But I went ahead and put compost in that bowl. So in that little indention that I scooped back with my hands and made a little bowl, I put compost into that. And I was able to plant seeds into that with no problem. And I was able to have enough space in there to put a transplant or a seedling into that little bowl. 
And so that's how I planted that first year because I did not want to wait for that compost to break down. And I'm glad I didn't because it took way longer than six months. It took a full year, at least a full year. But now when I look at that, I check on it every, you know, periodically. But now when I look at that, when I pull back the top layer, you know, just the top half inch, inch, whatever it is, just the ones that are exposed to the sunlight or exposed to the air, everything underneath that is just beautiful composted wood chips, which is compost. That's the most beautiful soil because, you know, I say that it's soil and not just compost because the earthworms have come up from the subsurface up into that now composted wood chips, which is compost, and done its thing and gone back down and gone back up and gone back down. And so it's been mixing all of that together for me. It's doing the job for me. And I see earthworms in there all the time, which I just love. That was my strategy. That was the way that I decided to go ahead and get things done the fastest and the cheapest way possible. It would have taken, oh gosh, I can't even tell you. It was... I wish that I could tell you how many tons of wood chips there were. It was a ton. I mean, it was tons. It was more than tons. It was a lot. The pile was probably twice as tall as me. It was probably 12 foot tall by about, I don't know, 20 feet around. It was a lot. Anyway, we really lucked out because I don't know. I don't know how often they do that. But you know what? When I see them doing it again, I'm going to go stop them again and say, hey, I will take as much as you can give me because now I am having to use the wood chipper to put a new layer of wood chips back on top of my garden beds because now it's all turned into soil. Some of the places where it was two feet thick, maybe not, maybe I still have a little bit of wood chips on the top, but where I did have to put it a little bit thinner because we started running low, that is definitely needs to be replenished. So <laughs> I guess that was an eye opener for me when I first started gardening. It's like, hey, I put wood chips down here. Where do, where did they go? I didn't realize when I st first started gardening that they were going to just turn into the earth. They were going to decompose and just become organic matter and go away. I don't know how I didn't know that. They kind of, I'm kind of ashamed to admit that, that I did not know that. That's a really good reason not to use that kind of mulch that does not degrade, you know, because you really want it to turn into the soil. You want it to turn into composted material. You want it to compost in place. But anyway, that's what we did. We used that as a strategy to build these humongous garden beds. And, you know, the way that I shaped it, I shaped it like a river, but anyway, so that's how we got the huge garden beds that we have now, is we used the sheet mulching method, or you could call it the back to Eden gardening method. Whenever I put bulbs into directly into those wood chips, they did just fine directly into the wood chips. That would be things like garlic, flower bulbs like gladiolas, the hyacinths, um the irises, the daffodils, I planted those directly right into the wood chips. And I feel like I should say here, you cannot plant seeds directly into the wood chips. You could, 
and someday they would come up, but they wouldn't have enough contact with soil, with the soil or any soil. They wouldn't be close to a water source. You know, they wouldn't, they just wouldn't be in a good environment for the seeds. Yeah, I wouldn't plant seeds right into the wood chips. I believe I did do that with some blue bonnets because I knew someday they would come up and I was okay with that. But I did go ahead and plant some blue bonnet seeds into some soil later on. So I know that those seeds are going to wait there and come up whenever they have good contact with the soil. But anyway, so that was our first strategy was just to get a garden bed set up, you know, get to bare soil. And then the second strategy was, I guess I can't leave, it, this isn't part of one of the methodologies, but we went ahead and put in our fruit trees next. And the reason that we decided to go ahead and do that sooner than later is because fruit trees just need two, three, four years, some cases maybe five years to, to start setting fruit, to be mature enough. Now our peach trees did uh, put on peaches the very first year, but I think they were a little bit older when we bought them. And the pomegranate tree did the first year, but in general, the fruit trees just needed more time to root. Now, when we planted those into those garden beds, we did dig down below the mulch layer into the soil that was under the mulch. So when we put the wood chips back, we didn't put them up against the tree. And that's something that's a whole other topic. But we went ahead and got about 20 fruit trees. We did pears, peaches, plums, cherries, pomegranates apple trees. I'm not sure. I can't really think. I don't have a list in front of me right now, but we did a lot of fruit trees. And then next, as I said, I planted into a bowl. That was the companion planting phase where I just wanted to go ahead and start growing stuff. So I just started putting stuff out there. I think this is where a lot of people get a little too into it, <laughs> a little too anal is on the companion planting side. We stress out way too much. I know I did the same thing about what goes next to what. And I've actually bought this Great Garden Companions book twice because it's so uh, worn out from me looking at it, looking at it, looking at it. And really there's only very few things that don't belong together. And I don't, I'm sorry, I don't have what they are right now. That is a whole other show and probably will, I will probably do a show on individual pairings with companion planting, especially if they don't go together. There's some things that don't want to be next to each other, but in general, I just mix everything up and I just don't worry so much about it anymore. As a matter of fact, I've kind of had the tried and true go-to companion plants that are in this one book, and I have learned to look at doing a whole lot more than what this book says, and I'm talking about Great Garden Companions and even Carrots Love Tomatoes. But, you know, the, the tried and true ones that she uses in the Great Garden Companions are nasturtiums, marigolds, cleums, sweet alyssum, zinnias, but they're the tried and true garden, quote unquote, garden companion flowers that you plant with your watermelons or your cucumbers or your tomatoes, anything like that. But now I'm thinking way outside the box, way outside the book. <laughs> 
Now I'm planting things that I want to cut and bring inside. I'm planting things that I'm observing in my garden that really bring in the hummingbirds. I love to watch the hummingbirds and I have found salvia is a really great plant. It's perennial. It's got these beautiful purple flowers all over it and the hummingbirds just love it. She didn't talk about it in this book that I remember anyway and it, she has, I haven't seen it in any of my books actually. But it's one that I love and it's one that's very easy to take care of. It really makes a beautiful statement in the garden. I love to cut the flowers and bring them in and I know that it attracts the beneficial insects so I'm going to do it. That's been my experience. And I don't know if salvia will grow well where you are, but for me, oh my gosh, I moved some mulch from one bed to another, and I know it had the seeds in there, and it spread it to that other bed. They're just so easy. <laughs> so, 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 so easy. Anyway, it's things like that you need to observe in your own garden. Find out what works. Make notes. Take pictures. Post them on Instagram. That's how I remember when I'm supposed to plant stuff or what I did last year that I really loved and that I want to be sure and do again. Something else that I wanted to say about, you know, developing my gardens in my system. So we had the sheet mulching we covered. We covered the back to Eden method, which is the same thing in my book as sheet mulching. And we covered the companion planting. But when we, the way that I'm doing mine with making that mulch a foot thick or two feet thick, that's actually a raised bed. It's called a berm or a mound. In landscaping terms, they'll say a mound or a berm. And if you're on Pinterest, you can just go Pinterest that, or you can Google it and say mound or berm, uh, B-E-R-M. Or you can go to my Pinterest, um, follow me on Pinterest, and you can see all of the things that I have pinned for inspiration and what they call it is a mound or a berm a mound or a berm and basically what I do where I have that mulch is it's turned into compost now but I'll dig a little trench all the way around it and I give it a nice sharp edge where I can weed eat a nice sharp edge and it just looks gorgeous it looks like a landscaped bed I remember my husband telling me man, it really looks like you know what you're doing. And that just made me feel so good, you know, to have that validation to for someone to say, wow, that looks, you know, it looks like it's landscaped. And I've been seeing these bounds and berms on some of these landscaping shows that don't have anything to do with growing your own food, but they just look really good. And I realized, oh, that's what I've been doing this whole time. The way that it kind of all ties together is for you to use your strategic thinking, your critical thinking, where you observe, you try, you do, and then you observe again. And you do again, and you observe again, and you just see what works for you. I'll tell you one of the things that I am really excited about, which I haven't done that much in the past, put myself in a little box when it comes to the ornamentals, uh, things that you can plant with watermelon and things like that based on the books that I've read in the past, but now I'm really branching out. I'm putting in more of a landscaping type plant that's ornamental. I'm putting in more flowers that are ornamental that don't seem to have, according to any of the books I have or anything that I've seen online, don't seem to have any companion planting value. But now, because of my 
observing and critical thinking, I know that it all has value. I know in some of the shady places in my garden that I just don't have a lot there. I want to just put stuff there, whether it's a good garden companion or not, just to make the landscape look complete, just to make it look pleasing to me. Uh, just to give it more diversity. So I am excited to start learning more about roses. I know rose hips are edible. I know you can put them in, you know, use them in lots of different ways medicinally. Um, I know that I want to have more hydrangeas and I don't know much about hydrangeas and I'm excited to learn. And so, yeah, this giving yourself an education in gardening just never ends. <laughs> it really doesn't. And please don't ever think that any gardener, not even, you know, especially me, but not even the one that's like, you know, the guru of gardening, the ones that have their own TV shows, the one, there's so much to learn and there's no end all be all. The only end all be all is you. You're the only one growing in your space. You're the only one that's observing in your space. You're the only one that's dealing with your space. So I would really challenge you to just think outside the box a little bit and consider that there may be another way and you may do something and you find out something really cool. Please let me know. Let me know. Send it to me on or join our Facebook group, Ediful Gardens. Or send me an email. Hey, I figured this out. This is so cool. I know that's the way I feel whenever I figure out something like that. I just want to tell somebody. That's why I'm doing this podcast, so I can tell you. So anyway, I think this is a good place to wrap it up. I feel like we went kind of long, but this was really good. Yeah. I want you to know this podcast is dedicated to you. If you're searching for a better source of food for yourself and the ones you love, I'm inviting you to come along on this journey with me. And if you don't want to miss any future episodes, you can hit that subscribe button and let's all figure out together how we can put delicious, nutritious, and safe food on the table. And remember, your edible garden can also be your beautiful landscape. Until next time, have a great week, everybody. Bye for now. Thank you.